Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello and welcome. Bienvenue, welcome, au cabaret. To a cabaret. We're actually going to do that. I'm actually going to sing for a minute. There's nothing wrong with that, was there? No, it's good. Thanks. It's the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up. In our very, very humble opinion. Isn't it, Dan? Yeah. And they get released onto wherever you get your podcasts every Tuesday. Today, we're talking about making a psychological feature with non-sploitation horror St. Agatha, directed by Saw filmmaker Darren Lynn Boosman, with its producer... Seth Michaels. It's a female-driven psychological thriller and it will be released theatrically and on digital in 2019. I'm Giles Alderson, producer of the horror comedy A Serial Killer's Guide to Life, director of the vampire documentary World of Darkness, which is getting its US release on the 18th of September. And I'm director and co-writer with Johnny Grant of the psychological horror feature film The Dare. And the new TV series Not For Profit... Starring the man sitting opposite me in a hotel room in Croatia. It's Dan Richardson. It's Dan Richardson, not Stan. Sorry, I thought your name was Stan. I've always... Well, this is awkward. All these years. All these years you thought I was Stan. Stan! 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 (laughs) I tried to do that. I couldn't. I couldn't. So it's Stan Richardson. Yes, it's Dan Richardson. Welcome, Dan. How are you? Great, mate. We are in a hotel room in Croatia as well. Not that anyone would know that, but we are. I'm looking out the window now. I can see Zagreb. Some people say Zagreb. Why are we in Zagreb? Making a documentary. What are we making a documentary about? Global vegan phenomenon. (laughs) Wow, you were pretty quick with that. It's called... You do one word, I do another, then you do the last one. What's it called? Food. Thought. Thought. And that's how that happened. So, we're, yeah, we're making this vegan documentary, as a lot of you know by now. We are in Croatia filming it. So many amazing people have helped us on our journey so far. We've come to Croatia and we've had some people who've gone out of their way to help us. It was really pushed towards us getting some amazing people on this documentary. Yeah, Marina. She's, Marina's gone above and beyond, along with Vlaska and all the amazing people at Planetopia, who we love and want to thank from the bottom of our hearts. Yeah, we've got some really cool uh, interviewees coming up as well as we've already done and we can't wait to share that with you. The documentary so far is going really well. Filming it's been tough because it's just been me and Dan most of the time. Yeah, this is like indie filmmaking in its purest form, isn't it? Because we're talking about all this all the way through the podcast for the last year or so and now here we are doing it again where we've, we've gone right back to basics here. We've got our own gear, we've turned up in a different country and it's literally just you and me lugging the gear we're here at what is it now nearly 10 o'clock at night after a good 12 hour shoot day more than that probably 
and we're here uploading footage, uploading sound. We've got a whole load of stuff to do, and it's, I tell you what, it's great. Rolling your sleeves up and getting involved, it's great. But I do want a data wrangler. Do you know what? It's really annoying. That's one of the hardest things at the end of the day, to come back to the hotel. I mean, we're lucky to be in a hotel, um, but we are. And it's kind of, that's the hard bit. Then you've got to suddenly crash all the footage. It shouldn't be called crash. You download, transfer, whatever you like. All the footage, on, and that just... It's not the kind of job you want to do as a creative. Well, it, well it, I'll tell you what it is. is nerve-wracking. It is, because you worry that you're just going to... Well... F it up. Yeah. In our very, very humble opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we got to use it. Yes. Yes. Yes, Stan. Yes. No, I totally agree. I think it's one of the nerve-wracking things. And it's time-consuming. It's hard, so... Big shout out to all the data wranglers. Big shout out to all the people who make their films on their own. What we were doing today was we were in a farm, an eco farm, talking to these amazing people who make all this food themselves and they have restaurants. And it was really fascinating talking to them. I was stood in a field, I was walking through a field, filming Dan and our lovely David, who was the interviewee. And I had the rucksack on my back. I had the H6 in the bag. People who don't know is a sound recording device, right? Yeah. And I had the headphones in over my ears. Yeah. I'll do. It's kind of one of those things, isn't it? Where you just get stuck in and get on with it. Everything, literally everything, and and then we, we bat- down to the detail, like batteries running out, and mm. then okay, now we're in a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere in Croatia. How are you going to charge your batteries? What about your cards run out as well? What are you going to do there? Yeah. What about when when you start getting technical issues like we did, where the card said invalid card. No, won't won't erase. Won't format. What, what was the worst one? The battery said um, battery has exhausted itself. Battery exhausted. <laughs> yeah, like, well, what do you think? We fucking be. Yeah, we're fucking. It's boiling hot here. Yeah? Yeah, we're hotter than you. We're English. We're burning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's obviously late. Um, we've been working hard for the last four or five days uh, on this documentary. But it's been great. It's been great. So, Dan, thank you for joining me in the hotel room. Nice to see you, mate. I'm going to go back to my room now because... A, I don't want people thinking we're sharing a room. B, I've got to get some sleep. And I've got to transfer all this stuff onto the other hard drive yet. So we've got to keep it in three places, my friends. Let me tell you, someone, I think it was you. It was. Giles said to me, you, you don't really have any footage till you've got it in three places, three separate places. And not long ago, I don't want to dwell on the negatives of this because who cares? It's replaceable. But I got my car broken into and my bag was stolen, in which was a laptop and one of my three well, one of my two hard drives, so it was two of the three places that I had all the documentary footage we had to that point. If I hadn't had it in a third separate location, we would literally have lost everything. So do put uh, your footage onto at least three devices. Keep them in separate places, not like the idiot boy here who kept a hard drive and a laptop in the same bag. But I have two, don't I? Like I'm doing that now. Yeah, now you are. So you've learnt, you've learnt from this? Well, no, because I've still got a hard drive and a laptop together. Okay, we need to... I've learned nothing. This. We need to rectify this right now. You know what? I'll tell you what I need to do. is I need to tune into a weekly podcast or something that gives advice on... Hang on a sec. Do you know any? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of the name of another one. I know you were trying. I know you were really trying. Anything <laughs> So yes, so uh, thank you for those who are following the journey so far. If you're not following the journey, uh, it is Food for Thought Doc on Twitter, and the four is number four, as Dan rightly says. Food for 
Thought Doc. Do follow us and do support. Uh, it is indie filmmaking. That's what we're doing. At its finest. Well, maybe. We'll see about that. Screenwriters. How many times have you been told to obey the template and follow the formula? What if instead you could learn how to write the script that only you can write? A unique script that will stand out. What screenwriter wouldn't want to spend five evenings with a script coach? Huh? So our friends at Raindance are giving you a unique opportunity to spend five Monday evenings with one of the most seasoned and experienced screenwriters living in Europe, the American, Jürgen Wolf. You will learn how to generate an endless flow of ideas, how to create screenplay characters that come alive, how to go beyond the templates to write a breakthrough screenplay, and how to find the time and confidence to write it. Guerrilla Warfare for the writer. The series starts on Monday the 15th of October at 6.30 at Raindance Film Training Centre. And you, because you listen to this podcast, get 20% off. Discount code is RDPodcast20. No one else in the world gets this. It's the Filmmakers Podcast special code. Our special relationship with Raindance. RDPodcast20. The links are in the show notes. It means, basically, you can attend the whole series for just £170. What more can you ask for? You're a screenwriter, get involved. Or you want to be a screenwriter, get there. You can also use the same discount code to book the individual classes. (laughs) Yeah, you can. RD RD Podcast 20. RD Podcast 20. That's R for rain, D for dance, Podcast 20. I thought you were going to get a podcast for podcast. Podcast for podcast 20, in between 19 and 21. So, uh, thanks for that, Dan. That's all right. Right, Yeah, you can go. All right, laters. Cheers, Dan. Okay, joining me on the actual podcast today, I mean, this was the podcast, it was the actual podcast, but the real host, the real host who's joining me is Christian James, the brilliant director of Stalled, Freak Out, and the newly released Fanged Up. That's Christian James, he's joining me. So, where is he? He's he's in, I've left him in the bathroom. All right. See you later. Cheers, Dan. Bye, everyone. Yeah, he's gone. Uh, okay, huge indie film shout out this week to the guys and girls who supported us uh, and have given us lovely retweets and mentions on Twitter. Thank you. To the Crossing Over team at Crossing Over 17 on Twitter. We'll be talking about their Indiegogo campaign very shortly. Shout out to Franklin Malpass, uh, director Neil Johnson, uh, Bob Leonard Film who have just started filming, good luck guys, uh, Ben Treblecook, Oliver Cunliffe, the lovely, wonderful young actor who also happens to be in The Dare, a uh, big shout out to you, Ryan Al Terry, and Mark Latham, who private messaged me on Twitter, top guy, thanks Mark, I look forward to chatting more, don't forget if you've got screenings, if you've got uh, Kickstarters, if you've got fundraisers, crowdfundings, whatever you've got, let us know and we will shout about it and we'll get more people hearing about your project. Find us on Twitter at FilmmakersPod or me at Giles Alderson. Don't be shy. Get involved. Okay, this week's podcast, It's Time to Enjoy, is with a fantastic Seth Michaels who is brilliant. He's an actor, a screenwriter and a producer. He's been in so many films. One of my favourite films of last year, Pelly, Birth of a Legend. Um, he's directed, he's wrote, He's acted. He's fantastic and a really cool guy and a vegan as well. Just throwing that in there. You'll find out during the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you're having a wonderful week. Uh, Do tweet us. Do retweet. 
You can find us on uh, Podbean. You can find us on SoundCloud, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes, uh, Britpod Scene. And you can find us on the Podfix Network, where there is some fantastic podcasts also to listen to, including More Gooder Than and the brand new to the Podfix Network. They're not brand new. They've been going a while. They're brilliant. It's Two Girls on a Bench. Do check that out. Uh, they're brilliant and funny. Cool. Right. Here's this week's podcast with a fantastic, funny, brilliant, really cool Seth Michaels. I hope you enjoy it. We're delighted to be joined on the Filmmakers Podcast by Seth Michaels. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Good. Yourself? Very well. Very well. Thank we're... you, Charlie. Thank you, CJ, for having me on. Pleasure having you. Uh, and also, we're at, we should say we're at Fright Fest. We are at Fright Fest. We're yeah. actually, we're strictly not at Fright Fest. We're over the road. Yes. In a very... Uh, I'd say quite posh hotel suite. I'd say this is probably one of the poshest hotel suites with, I've yeah, been yeah, in. Yeah, with a pretty pimp view of Leicester Square. Yeah, uh, my, yeah you can well. you can see what tickets are available. You know the yeah. ticket square in yeah, the middle yeah, it's, of it is Leicester literally, Square. I can almost reach out and grab for a live theatre. Correct. Yeah, yeah, pretty much live theatre right here. So, yeah. is this your first time in London? No, I've been to London maybe five six times. Right. Um, okay. You know, I've got quite a bit of uh, knowledge about London. Also, I have a lot of friends and family. Yeah. Um, well, not family, but, you know, they're like brothers and sisters because we, we've been friends for so long. Actually, a good friend of mine came to see the movie and he brought his wife. Uh, you guys are probably familiar with his wife, Frances O'Connor. Of course, uh, So yeah. she was at the film. And then uh, Gerald Lipkowski is his name. He's Scottish. He's from Glasgow. So I've known him for quite a long time. And mm-hmm. uh, we met in L.A. And he was kind enough to bring his wife and uh, watch her movie. So that was exciting. That is exciting. So the movie's just played. The movie is... St. Agatha. And... You play... I play Father Andrew, and I'm also the producer of the film. Which is the, the, the interesting uh, <laughs> so the, yeah, the interesting point. But shall we sort of dive back? Well, shall we give a little bit of background for our listeners on you, to save you doing it? It's sometimes yeah. easier for us to do it. Yeah. Um, you started off doing a bit of TV. Um, well, I mean, you probably did a bit of films in between, but I'm, you know, for us, we're just going to read out the list yeah. of credits we're, that we're you gonna, have. We're going to read out IMDb. <laughs> IMDb, it's easier for us, yeah, this stuff going This on. is but the stuff you admit to. Yeah. So, some people know. Exactly. Some of you can say, no, maybe I wasn't in yeah. that if you don't fancy it. But a uh, Nip Tuck, obviously fantastic show. You're in that, CSI, um, and did a five year itch as well. Then films, including The Martyr, The Whaler 2, um, uh, Lucha, uh, Soul Walker, Through the Red Doors. Um, the Haunting of Charles Manson. Yeah, really, really cool film, which again, you're associate producer on. Um, Give Me More, your exec producer on. Um, Eden, also you've starred in these movies as well. Uh, Eden, which is great. Letting Go, exec producer. Pele, Birth of a Legend, which I loved. I loved Pele. It's so cheesy and so wonderful. It made me cry and it was so emotional. If well, you, like you, you two are both huge <laughs> football fans. So I'm yeah. in, in fear right now because you guys are going on that, that football path and I'll be like, dum 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 And you're like, who was Pele? Was Pele? Yeah, I know who Pele is. Played for Argentina. About... Was he the yeah. hand of God? No. no. Oh. He wasn't. Okay. He was the youngest ever player to play in a World Cup final until this year. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're doing it. You're in doing Sweden. It. Like, you're going, this is a, in 1958. Now we're talking. <laughs> well, considering the fact that I live in America, people was like, did you play Pele? And they're serious Seriously. about it. Seriously. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, if you know your football, you yeah. could not yeah. play Pele. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and three, three wonderful people play Pele. <laughs> yeah. 
They did. There were some really cool young actors, weren't they? Very, all, yeah. all play football to a really yeah. high standard. As well. um, I don't know if you know about this, but I used to play pro soccer. I actually mm. played pro football in I Mexico City. And, um, hey, what's team? Sorry, I jumped in. Puma Sunam. Oh, nice. In Mexico City. And so not only was I Mario Zagallo, who's still a legend in itself, because yeah. uh, he's won three World Cups as mm-hmm. a player and as a coach. Yeah. And But uh, I also did all the choreography, and I made up all the plays of the movie Pele. What? Yeah. Oh my God! Congratulations! Yeah. A lot of people don't know. I, I didn't know I left that. that. I left that out because you know because I've been an actor for so long. When they asked me yeah. to do this, I'm like, I don't want you to credit me as a as a sort of a uh, consultant or technical director. You know, cause because then, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not doesn't cool. do anything for my. No, you know, no, no. Have you seen the Damned United? Yes, of course. I was in that. I Where? was Colin Todd, one of the footballers in that as well. Oh. And, because <laughs> um, and it was because I was a footballer as well as yeah. a kid I was at Bradford City and I'd played all the way at the youth so I just wasn't good enough I didn't yeah. you know I was one of those where I should have been but I wasn't good enough so it was a joy for me to actually go and be a footballer in a film and yeah. do the two things I love <laughs> CJ's resting back now. <laughs> was was it the same for you I mean it must have been amazing to play him in Pele um you know, uh, we had a great DP, uh, mm. Madeleine Batik, who's been nominated mm. for, you know, yeah. Wrecking for a Dream, uh, Black Swan. Yeah, he did and, a lot of John Favreau films. Yeah, Mother, yeah. I mean, he does a lot yeah. of Nosky's, you know, he's that's yeah. Rodnowski's guy. And, you know, I would sit with him uh, every morning. We show up first on set and we would go whatever we were shooting. And I would sit with him in, in the middle of these stadiums and look around, you know, and it's like, this is, I want the lights here, blah, blah, blah. And just watching this guy at work, it was amazing. But for me... You know, growing up as a football player, and uh, and next thing you know, I'm in Brazil making a movie about Pele oh, and him being a producer because he used to show up on set. Mm. And uh, I mean, I would just kind of pinch myself and you know uh, get a little teary. I just, course. but I am here, mm. you know, also creating all the plays and and you know and and, and cre- out of nothing, you know, like this is the directors as two brothers, Mike and Jeff, and they'll mm. be like, this is what we want here. This is what I'm like, all right, cool. And then I would just come up with all this and I'll bring the actors who were all ex-pro players or some were still trying to make it pro, so which helped a lot. And I did tell the directors. You can get away with it in print, but when you're doing video, you need guys that can really do the job. Otherwise, yeah. it's going to look awful. Yeah. And so we had all guys that had played at a very high level of football, which made my life way easier. Of course it is. If you say yeah. cross it to the back post, yeah. he will pretty much cross it to pretty the back much post. Overhead kick, time. sure, sure. Yeah. Well, it was a little tough because we had shoes that were made based on the 1950s. Of course. So they were handmade out of leather uh, with nails coming up at some point like the nails will go on your feet. And the ball as and well. The ball, oh, yeah. come the on. The ball was so heavy and it's yeah. very tough, very tough uh, to, to really, you know, place it well and, you know, it took a little more than usual on a regular ball that we're used to now. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a dream come true and being in Brazil for three months and, you know, it was, yeah. Oh, those that. are times that, you know, all those... I always tell people, you know, there was a time, uh, it was a two-year period in my life where I couldn't get arrested. You know, we say in LA, it's like, you know, I could have killed somebody on the street, nobody would have cared. But two years, so, you know, it was a tough time and, you know, I was pretty much homeless. You lived out of my car, showered my gym, my friend's sofas and so on. Uh, One of my uh, friend's closet, you know, they had a walk-in closet, was sleeping there and... uh, you know, a lot of times that you would go to bed hungry or you had to choose between do I put gas in my car to go to an audition or do I eat? And obviously I chose to go to the audition because that could give me a job. And uh, and then times where you go to bed crying because you have no idea. But, 
you know, those are when things like that happen, you know, you kind of look back as like, you know, it was all worth it. It was worth that sacrifice and that risk to, you know, because what else are you going to do if this is your passion? So what, I suppose, yeah, what, what, what started the journey for you? Uh, you know, growing up, uh, you know, uh, cinema for me was just magical. You know, coming from a sort of tough childhood and, uh, you know, it was sort of an escape. And, and two things did that for me, football and, and cinema. And I did theater when I was a kid and then just, I mean, I remember seeing E.T. and Indiana Jones and, you know, all these amazing movies. And uh, I, it was an escape. And I, I always said to him, like, I want to be part of that someday. And, mm. you know, I, I tried out football and it was great. And uh, and you were you pro as well. So yeah, you know, yeah, in Mexico City. But, you know, it was sort of, I realized at one point it was sort of my dad's dream, not mine, you know. Right. But I did it well. And uh, I was 23 at the time. One thing I noticed, too, is when I was in Mexico City, I met a lot of people that were legends, you know, people that play pro at the highest level, World Cups, and, yeah. and you know, and they were still struggling. You know, they're still struggling to coach or get a job. And, wow. you know, and I'm like, eh, that's not really my goal because I, I didn't see myself coaching. You mm. know, I don't have the patience. And not so much with the kids or the players, mostly with the parents in America. <laughs> that's so true, though. <laughs> no, Mummages. A lot of mummages. We call them soccer moms. But you get that in acting, too. Agent moms. Agent moms. Stage moms. Stage moms, we call them. So I didn't see myself, you know, after playing. So I figured, you know, I'm still pretty young. I picked up my stuff and then I moved to L.A. in 19. 1998 started my career in 1998 went to an acting school um there was a gentleman ivan marcota who i started with and uh and then he had a teacher that worked for him and her name was stephanie fury my teacher and her mother was peggy fury and uh i want to say uh, william trailer i think trailer trailer and who were the go-to acting coaches in the 70s and 80s i mean sean penn angelica houston you know uh eric stoltz nicholas cage michelle pfeiffer all these students came out of the theater and then and then i was lucky enough to find a teacher that to me to this day is still the best teacher in the world named eric morris and i stayed with him for three years you know so studying with him and then after that i just i speak four languages so and then my look is very ethnically ambiguous so wow. uh what i realized is that i could go and play different things you mm, know uh, yeah. from a palestinian to an israeli mm -hmm. uh argentinian colombian yep. mexican uh french italian yeah i could see uh, yeah you sort of mix into any yeah, brazilian yeah, yeah you know yeah. brazilian so uh which your languages uh spanish english portuguese and english and uh italian and english again yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i could do four yeah. as well <laughs> english english <laughs> italian english uh portuguese and spanish that's amazing yeah Amazing. So struggling, I don't want to brush over it too quickly because yeah. obviously the struggling thing was a huge, but you, you didn't give up, you stuck with it. What was your first sort of breakthrough moment or company and what was the first? Um, it was actually a movie of the week for uh, the History Channel called uh, The Egyptian Book of the Dead. And it was sort of my first lead and um, it was style, it was like documentary reenactment yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and it was great. That was sort of my big thing. And then I did a movie called The Martyr. Yes. Uh, where I played a, Palest a Palestinian suicide bomber. Mm -hmm. And so I was working on the accent, you know, and then um, the director's like, oh, no, no, we're going to do it in Arabic and Hebrew. Whoa. I'm like, wait, what? He was like, yeah. So they got me, uh, at the time I was dating a girl from Israel, so Perfect. my Hebrew yeah. was there. And then I had to go to a guy to learn Arabic. How, do you have a lot of dialogue in that? Or is it, I do. Yeah, so it's wow. all in, uh, So I had to do pretty much all in Arabic and in Hebrew, the whole wow. film. Yeah, there was no English in it at all with subtitles. Mm. And that was a, it was shot on 35, so it looked amazing. It was yeah. a very powerful film and it, it did all the, um, 
it did all the film festivals. It won the uh, Cine Award, which is the highest award you can to for a short film yeah. in America, and uh, and that kind of opened some doors for me, you know. But right. that same thing, if you look at it, like people that came out of the movie, they they don't. I, I'm never recognizable, when, you know, when I'm part of the. I don't know if the camera sees me differently, but you know, just whether it's facial hair or hairstyle, like I never look the same. So people can never kind of put two and two together. <laughs> Which yeah. one? No, isn't it? I, no, I don't like, know. I think that's annoying. Do you know? Because you, as, as an actor, right? Surely you want to be like, a bit of recognition and sort of. Go, um, yeah, yeah, that was me in the film, and thank you. Yeah. I was great, wasn't I? No, I'm the opposite. You're opposite. Uh, okay, yeah, that's good. I love the anonymity. I love walking places. I love yeah. it, you know, and it's not. Acting for me is not something like, oh, I, you know, uh, self-worth or, or please look at me or give me attention. I mean, the red carpets, all that stuff is, you know, I'm not like, oh, it's the opposite. I try to hide. Uh, you know, some people write, some people paint, some people, you know, sing. Uh, acting for me is a sort of an art form, uh, you know, a way to release whatever creativity I have. And, uh, and it's not, you know, so much about the recognition, but more like, you know, I get to do something that I love. Mm. Yeah. I think it's always ironic that you, that whenever uh, I've had this as well, you, I think when you make the film, you sort of dream of being in that room and showing it to people for the first time. And, you know, you, but you get to the red carpet, you get to the premiere and you're just shitting yourself. And I don't enjoy it one bit. So I'm like, why did I even make this film? I don't even know. You know, yeah. I just, you, you're so nervous. You ruined the bit you dreamed about. That's really interesting. And then I think, and as the years have gone on, and as I've made more things, I, I've, I love the process way more than I like the, the actual. Film. Yeah, it's weird. It's all changed. Which is probably the, the right way around. Well, I think I can relate. I mean, a way you relate because in a way, you know, you're giving birth to something that's yours, mm, right? Yeah. You know, and the last thing we want as human beings, well, we want to be liked, right? And we also don't want to be judged. Yeah. You know, and when you're putting out your your soul, yep, right. Is that I think is that fear. I'm like, I think and I like it. Yeah. Is it good enough? You know. Um, and when actors ask me, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I, I talked a lot, of, and I've been in their place where I'm like, am I, you know, am I good enough? Am I doing the right thing? There's a lot of self doubt for any artist. Yeah. And my teacher always said, the the most talented artists I ever met are the most insecure. Right, because there's always this yearning for growth mm, yeah. and to be better, you know, yeah. as opposed to the people like, oh, I'm so great, you know, they're like yeah. they already know everything, so there's really no nothing there. It's very monotone and uh, predictable, mm. right? Uh -huh. um, but I, I always tell actors, you know, I used to as a union actor in America, SAG-AFTRA, uh, SAG has a lot of uh, private screenings and. They usually have the star there, the director. And so you go and, you know, you see everyone from Johnny Depp and George Clooney and all these actors after you very, very cozy, kind of intimate uh, setting. And they do a Q&A, you know, with all the actors. And I always tell the story that I was watching uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins. And um, after the moderator came and asked some questions, you know, somebody goes, hey, you know, uh, Mr. Hopkins. I, I know you got your big break later on in life. And uh, was there a time that you doubted yourself, you know, that you said, am I doing the right thing? And. Mr. Hopkins just sat there quietly for about 20 seconds. And he goes, you know, sometimes I wake up and I still feel that. Yeah, wow. I still feel that. I still feel like, am I doing the right thing? Am I good enough? So I tell actors, that shit will never go away. That feeling yeah. will always stay there. So, yeah. you know, that's, you know, and I tell a story, a really good friend of mine who's a Tony award-winning actor, Golden Globe Emmy, you know, uh, he was doing a play in New York. And a week before opening, he called me, he goes, he calls me Sethy. He's like, Sethy. I don't think I can do this. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't I'm like, I'm like, dude, you sound like such an actor, bro. Shut up. I'm sure you're just, <laughs> I'm sure that you're doing just fine. You know, it did great. He was nominated again. And, uh, but you know, that always, you know, it's the artist is that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. You know. and, and, and you do good work and then better work. And then I think you also then worry about the, your, uh, house of cards crumbling as well. So it's, yeah. you, as you build a body of work, you don't, you, you I suppose you worry about how, how fragile that is. Well, you, you, know? you work so hard to get, 
anywhere in the business. Mm. You work your ass off to just get a film. You're always sort of envious of those people who got them. And then suddenly you start getting them. And then you're kind of like, oh, where do I go now? I need to sustain this because mm. there's nothing worse than not. Like you said, you had a period where you were, you know, sleeping on people's floors yeah. and wherever you could because you were in that place. And it happens to all yeah. artists, filmmakers, whatever we are, Absolutely. because we just, it's easy to just not get work. Right. And you have to work so hard to keep on top of that. Yeah. It falls so quickly. So from from there, from your sort of nice start, it's it took a while, but you're getting there. You've got some TV work. You did Nip Tuck in the same year, yeah. and you started doing CSI. And then you started moving into horror films. Um, you know, horror films is not really my genre, but I, I know that I knew, um, you know, especially I was telling earlier, I met with this kid, uh, a, the son of a friend of mine who's 21, and he wants to go, he's in Scotland, he wants to go into filmmaking and so on. And I said to him, I go, there is no excuse for you right now to make your own stuff. Do not wait for somebody to come and give you a job. Do not wait for anyone to say, hey, you're ready. Do it now. There's, it's so easy. for When I started, it was all film. It was 35, super 16, you yeah. know. Uh, so it was tougher. It was more expensive. You got to develop. You got to do this and that. Now you can pick up an f- iPhone. You can get a lens for that, uh, you know, so you do uh, anamorphic. I mean, there's so many ways. You get a good sound on that. And there's no reason for you to write and create your own stuff. I go, start yeah. doing shorts, five-minute shorts, seven-minute shorts. F- I'm sure there's a small community in Glasgow where you can go and say, hey, anyone can write. You know, go to a theater group and you'll find actors. I'm sure actors will be willing to be in your short film, sure, yeah. you know, and start making your own stuff. I mean, you're 21. You still have a long life ahead of you. And uh, so there's no reason for you not to do your thing. So for me at the time, you know, it was kind of like, okay, but now, I mean, there's no. And so back to your question about horror, you know, I'm like, you know what? There's no reason for me not to make my own stuff and be in control of what I want to make and what I want to be in. And uh, from a business part of it, mm. uh, there's uh, lower risk investing in horror. They're cheaper to shoot. You don't know. You don't need big names, you know, to to bring. Actually, it doesn't. Actually, it hurts a film, mm. you know, yeah, because yeah. Sometimes you know, when you see famous people and it's scary, it takes them away. And now they're looking yeah. at a celebrity. Well, instead you of think like, well, they're not going to die, right. or if they you you see them as exactly. bad guys all the time, you go, you know, it's the bad guy. Yeah. So I knew that, uh, and so horror mm. was sort of, you know, I knew it would be a, a safer bet for my investor. That being said, I did tell him, like, you know, once, you, you know, you're, you're going to get all this money back from this, then I'll do my, 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 you know, sort of my, my film where I start in it and I do this. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that's, we're sort of in the talks now with him, but I, uh, luckily for me, it opened the doors for other things. With that in mind, you've got a uh, great cast, great director, great, you know, the, the, the film itself is amazing. And also it's not, when I chat to people about horror, they, they say, oh yeah, because you just put blood in it and a couple of scares and it's done. You're like, no, no. it's not, it's nowhere near as easy as that. They say, I'll oh, just throw some ketchup on a wall and uh, that's cheap. Like, no, no, actually you need, you know, a pressure gun. I need someone else. It, it actually does end up very expensive and time consuming making yes. horror and doing that properly. Yeah. Um, how did you get Darren Lynn Boosman involved and how did St. Agatha evolve into what it is now? So um, I got a call from a really good friend of mine who I'd known since I was 12 years old. Mm. We grew up playing footy together. He went to Harvard and he started as pre-med. His name is Rick. And Rick called me one day. He goes, hey, listen, you know, I've got 60 clients with a lot of money because he went into finance after that. He went Rick's to Wall Street. great friend. Oh, yeah. I need more friends like Rick. Rick. <laughs> exactly. He went Hi, into Rick. finance. Rick he he got bored with pre-med <laughs> and he went into finance. And uh, he called me one day and he goes, listen, um, I got one of my clients, you know, and uh, he would like to invest in film. So I got a script from uh, another one of my clients who's a casting director. And I have no idea anything about Hollywood. I don't know anything about scripts. How, can you read it for me? Let me know if it's good or not. And I said, sure, send it to me. Uh, from an, as an actor, unless I'm part of a project, I don't read them. 
because mm. it's a waste of my two hours. Yeah, of course sure. it is. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's like, the same thing. So I think two months went by and he like every, you know, every other day is like, do you read the script? Like, ah, oh, man, I've been so busy. So, yeah. you know, I spent three months out of the year in Italy. Um, and so I'm in Italy and he goes, dude, do you read I'm like, dude, I'm so like, bro, dude, can dude. I curse? Yeah. yeah, yeah, fuck he's you. A, he's a fuck you. I know you're nailed. I see your fucking Instagram. You're not yeah, doing shit. You're hanging out by the pool eating pizza, bro. Hang out by the pool. I live on a lake called Lago di Garda, which is in the north. And it's like, it's like, all right, dude, I'll read it. So I read the script and um, I read it and I called him. I said, listen, I read your script. I'm like, great. So what do you think? I'm like, well, let me ask you this. Your investor, does he want to invest in the movie because he wants to make money or because he supports the arts and he goes make money of course i'm like well if he wants to make money then i'll say stay away from it i go now if you told me that he wants to support the arts i say stay away from it as well as a piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting isn't it we Joe, we talk about this a lot how yeah. you gotta you know you got friends in the industry and they ask your opinion like well do you and i often say you know, Giles will show me rough cuts and vice versa. And I'll say, do you want my opinion or do you want my opinion? You right. know, and it's interesting you, you know, came back. You could, could have just said, yeah, yeah, great. Move on, you know, move Good on. Good luck, yeah. Yeah, well, right. he's been a friend of me for like 30 years, right, of mine. So it's, you know, I knew that it, it, there was a lot of thing on, on, on his plate and mm. I wanted to help him out and be honest, be cool. right? Yeah. And I said, you know, I just, you know, there's nothing in it. I know you, you know, the, the writer talked about, oh, a war winning, you know, this and that. And then Ed, actors are gonna i'm like dude there's like 60 characters i gotta go three pages back because i completely forgot who is who <laughs> yeah. i go so there, no actor's gonna go oh yeah this is uh you know yeah, the, there was there's no me. development yeah, for yeah them as a, from an actor's point of view so i'll stay away from it like all right, all right cool do you have anything i'm like no dude i'm an actor i don't know if i can write scripts you know i go but i know a lot of producer friends i'm sure they'll take your two mil right so <laughs> <laughs> yep and, uh, hands going up <laughs> So, so, and then as soon as I hang out, my wife, who's actually the creator and the producer. I was going to ask. Ah, he both credited She yeah, goes, yeah. who's that? I'm like, that was Drake. He's like, well, well, what do you say? I'm like, well, you know, I told him, I was like, well, why don't you give him St. Agatha? I'm like, saying what? He goes, St. Agatha. I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> You'd forgotten. <laughs> no, well, she, I had, I had no idea that she was writing the script. Oh. And I'm like, it's a movie that I just wrote with my partners. And I'm like, okay, well, let me read it first. Hang because- on, this is your wife. Yeah. And you didn't know she was writing. She was, I didn't know she was writing this particular uh, okay. story. And I thought uh, you like, well, let me read it. I'm not going to recommend it. No, exactly. Yeah. I said that, you know, yeah. listen, I know you're my wife, but you know, I, I mean, I've been in so many sets where there are people who not should be on set mm-hmm. yeah. based on relationships, you know, and I don't think it's yeah. fair for people who work their ass off and, you know, who people that ha- are talented. Yeah. Um, so I, I try not to do the same, you know? Um, so I go, let me read it first. And if I think it's good enough, I'll send it to them. So I read, it, I'm like, well, oh, this is really fucking dark. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of you now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I send it over to Rick and Rick called me like today's like, he goes like, I'm like you, uh, I read scripts, but I must tell you, I stopped at page 30. This is way too scary for me. Uh, this is not the stuff that I like, but I'll send it to my client. So he sent it to the client. A week later, he called me. He's like, hey, uh, uh, KT read the script. He said it was scary, but not scary enough to say no. Great. So we're yeah, on. don't say no. We Before you know, I, we're, we're literally on a flight, my wife and I, to New York. Uh, had dinner with the investor, uh, shook hands, and uh, that was sort of the beginning of how St. Agatha came about. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then from there, I called a really good friend of mine who's a well-known actor. I'm like, listen, this is what I got going on. Got the budget, got this. I go, do you recommend? So he's like, yeah, I got this guy for you. So our UPM, he came on board. At the time, he was working on a immersive theater with Darren Bossman, gotcha. uh, which is, you know, immersive theater. A lot of people might not know but it's you know you go into sort of a house or a building whatever it is and it's almost like going to a live theater but you're part of the play yeah 
you know, and they just mess with you the whole time. And yeah. he was working with them at the time, like, listen, I'm working on this project, blah, blah, blah. And they goes, well, let me read it. He goes, holy shit. Yeah. I like the idea, you know, nuns and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, I'm on board. And that's how it all came about. And then we went to scout in Atlanta um, for many reasons. Uh, one of them being is that anything you shoot in the state of Georgia, you get 30% of your budget back which is great including which is really below useful. and above the line mm. yeah. for those that don't know above the line means that directors producers and writers you mm-hmm. know and your cast uh so so we knew that going there you know it would be a safer bet for my investor that at least he was guaranteed 30 percent of that back right <laughs> which is for an investor yeah. you go well yeah, now you're yeah. only putting in 70 yeah. percent exactly which is good already yeah. you're already making money absolutely if you like. so for him you know so it was and that's how it all started and once we got darren then we was uh, a lot of the cast actually were part of his immersive theater I suppose, I, so i suppose with a director was it the money that you had uh in place was that reliant on a director that had some sort of clout presumably was how did that work yeah out? absolutely you yeah. still have to uh, look at the investment you know you have to sure. go to your investor i'm like mm-hmm. this is the way that you know we can protect that and mm. uh the rri the, re- the return on investment so attaching somebody like darren who has a you know carries a, a name you know yeah he's done so too yeah repo abattoir yeah the devil's carnival he's big yeah. time so big you, time. you know that uh that will open a lot of opportunities not just for us but for the film itself yeah uh, hence why we're at fright fest and sidges and all these top film horror yeah. festivals in the world because darren's name carries a lot of weight so we knew with him him being attached to direct you know we were guarantee a certain amount of money uh that would definitely you know make my investor really happy so it was sort of a no-brainer um you know but that's some of the things now with my with our agents octane you know to look at him and uh, to look at them and say hey you know these are the packages that we got now how can we make this a lower risk and we talk to you know uh, distribution companies i'm like well if you add this and that you know this is what will guarantee you and sales and uh, and so it makes it easier for my investors to come in of course you still have to execute you know a really good product and uh and you do that by you know sort of the people you you put your team in uh together and we did that i think with a great cast you know with a great uh mother superior carolyn hennessy oh, she's amazing just, yeah, yeah really she's, she's amazing. amazing yeah she's i mean amazing. every festival i gone everyone's like how is she in real life yeah, yeah. Uh, you know i'm like she's i mean she just came in and then sabrina you know who plays yeah. agatha mm-hmm. um you know and the rest of the cast like Lindsay syme and uh you know uh hannah fearman and trin miller who plays paula yep. um and then you got justin miles and uh Miles, uh, actually Miles, who plays the the doctor, yeah. and then uh, I hope I'm not forgetting anybody. Well, oh, yourself, uh, Courtney, Hall- yeah. Courtney Halverson, who, yes. who plays uh, you know one of the nuns as well, who was great. You know, she was in uh, Unfriended, and you yeah. know she did uh, the season two of uh, True Detective. You know, so we had a mm. and Jason Warner Smith from uh, from The Walking Dead. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You've got a, it's got a, uh, what were the influences behind the script? For me, it had a, I suppose obviously there's a, uh, a bit of a Rosemary's Baby mm. vibe in that slow burn and sort of Suspiria type yeah. of vibe I was getting from it at least. Was that, was, is that right? What, what, what were the influences? Uh, so it's funny, my wife will tell you, she, she was born and raised in Italy and, yeah. uh, you know, Catholic, going to ah, nun school. And okay, all that. it makes sense. Yeah. And at the time when she was going to nun school, uh, she would come home and her mother used to watch a soap opera from Brazil, I believe, and mm. it was about nuns. And one of them was an evil nun. And so this evil nun would kidnap and kill people and all this stuff. So then, Soap opera? Uh, yeah, soap wow. opera. So yeah. as a child, she would go back to school and, and be surrounded <laughs> by nuns. And, you know, as a child, her imagination would kind of go yeah. crazy. and like, Do the math and then... Yeah. yeah, and she's like, is that nun a killer? Like, you know, and so that concept came out of that, her experience, uh, you know. And also nuns are very strict, you know. And, yeah. You know, and there's so many stories are coming out now in the past few years where you read about these actual yeah. places that did exist, you yeah. know, especially back in the 1950s where uh, women, uh, you know, young women who were getting pregnant out of wedlock, it was a big taboo back then. So these wealthy families will send them yeah. to have a baby. And a lot of those girls never came back, you know, all true stories. Yeah. So there was a lot of inspiration in so many ways. Okay. You know. It's set in 1950. Yes. Um, in the small town of Georgia, like you yeah. mentioned. Yeah. The story is it's a pregnant young woman named Agatha. She seeks refuge in a convent. What first us out as a perfect place to have a child turns into a dark layer where silence is forced, ghastly secrets are masked, and every bit of willpower Agatha has is tested as she learns the sick and twisted truth of the convent and the odd people that lurk inside its halls. Giles is available for the um, for the, the, I, the uh, trailer, yeah, for well, the trailer or uh, the novelisation. You can yeah, read for, for whatever you need, I uh, I will read that for a lot of money. Um, so yeah, I'll have we, my agent contact you. Please do, please do. It's really cool. Do check out the trailer if you haven't seen it yet. We haven't released it actually. Oh, you haven't released no, the trailer. We wanted to wait for the distribution to come uh, out because we wanted to. You have no idea the amount of emails and tweets and and, and Instagram like, when can we see a trailer? We're gonna, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, sure. so it's definitely created a little bit of mystery. Uh, the only people that get to see anything is when people go to the festivals. Um, right. But now that we signed with the uh, distribution company two weeks ago, they were so excited that no trailer has been released because now they. Take they control of that. That's really, that's, yeah. now that's interesting. Yeah. So I like the process behind that. So now they can take control in the UK. It's signature, right? Yeah. Um, now they can drop the trailer when they're ready to release the film, exactly. which actually builds the hype at the right time. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Well, this is a common thing. I oh, sorry, I've interrupted. Sorry. I was just going to say very commonly through festivals. Mm. I'm guilty of this as well for my second feature. Yeah. We released too much PR while we were making the film and we finished the film because mm. we were trying to create that buzz to sell the film. Yeah. But then obviously a distributor say, well, yeah, you've played all your cards. So if we take the film, we're going to cut another trailer. So you've got to be careful, especially to, you know, nowadays, yeah. you've got to no. be really cautious Technology, what you yeah. release and really you've got to keep it it's under wraps well know? people do think that oh hang on well, didn't that get released a mm. year ago yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I saw I've that it, yeah. or oh no I'm not interested well, yeah. it's true so this kind of worked in your favour right was this always your plan yes from the get go uh, we Great. sat around with uh, Sada who's the 
creator producer and uh, Darren mm-hmm. and myself. And that was one of the things I'm like, let's try to keep it as mysterious as we can, you know, because we're so bombarded with technology now and everything's so quick, so quick. And, you know, people get bored, you know, it's mm-hmm. like swipe left, swipe right, that yeah. kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm glad I was never part of that because... <laughs> Yeah, I haven't been either. You haven't been either. And that's why we had that plan because, uh, you know, about the sort of the, um, I mean, I was walking around Cannes for the film market and mm. the amount of content that's out there. Yeah. It was so petrifying to, to experience that because you go, well, how's my energy different? Is it better? Uh, how's mine going to make a print? Yes. You know, how's it going to make a difference? You know, yeah. you start thinking those things, you know, from a artist point of view. And uh, so we kind of realized, uh, realized that at Cannes, and, and we wanted to make sure that if we were going to do something, that it had to be quality and had to be good enough to at least, you know, make some type of buzz, but at the same time, keep it mysterious. So in terms of then somewhere like Cannes, are you going, obviously, because you've got your sales teasers, which is different to dropping a real trailer. Yeah. So you're still going there with your posters and your, your sales teasers, right? You're still doing that. Yeah, we still, I mean, our, our, our agents, Octane Entertainment, they still go and you got the posters and all that. And the trailer that they cut is a lot different than that from a theatrical trailer, right? Mm. Because what you want to do is you want to hit those buyers with everything, everything you got. Yeah. Well, you need everything. the beginning, middle, and right. end, right? You, yeah. I mean, you throw everything in there. As opposed to if an audience saw that, they're like, well, why do I even need to watch a movie? I just yeah. saw yeah. that yeah. in two and a half minutes. <laughs> like, you know, there's you... no reason for me to go spend money on so, popcorn. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, I already saw the movie in two and a half. Thank yeah. you for that, right? Yeah, which happens uh, a lot with the Marvel movies exactly. nowadays. You yeah. see a lot of what happens <laughs> in the film. Yeah, but oh. uh, with Sin Agatha, you know, so for that, um, you know, they, they do that for the, for the, for the buyers, but, uh, in relation to, to a theatrical trailer, which, uh, our distribution is working on now and a press release, it'll be probably next week where it'll be announced who we went with and so on. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know if they're going to do an actual trailer the same day they drop, uh, who we sign with, but that'd be uh, interesting enough. Afterwards. Yeah. Yes, right afterwards. Yeah. So, yeah. So actually doing the producing side, do you think it's something that a lot of actors should do? Do you think it's something that you're just good at? And what was the main reason for doing it in the first place? Um, I've been asked that question, the difference between acting and producing. And, and I was like, oh, you know, acting is this and producing is that. And I kid you not, I, was, I, I think at this moment I had uh, two nights ago, I flew in from, uh, from America into Italy and I was jet lagged. And I, I was up at one in the morning and I was staring at the ceiling in pitch darkness. And this just came to me. What's the difference between acting and producing? You know, acting uh it's pretty much shagging, you know? It's like, uh, compared to like, you go shag and that's the acting, right? I, I was just doing a movie and in, in, I just shot a movie in, in Dothan, Alabama. I had to go play the Southern guy in 1940. So I got to speak like that, you know, sort of <laughs> that Southern thing, you know, I got to do. And I would show up, go to my hotel, I get picked up, go to set, shoot my scene, go back to the hotel and repeat the next day for two weeks. Yeah. Producing, you know, it's actually the shagging, which is exciting, you know, getting the money, you know, sort of the inception of the script and, and then, given birth to a child and raising that child for 18 years and then oh we're gonna go to college <laughs> you know it's, it's it's that's producing oh, nice and yeah. i'm saying i'm like i'm gonna say that next uh next next interview and here we are yeah um it's spot on i like it it's a good analogy and, 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 you know it's like and then you know and then surprises come up you know yeah. uh, it's like oh no i want this and i want that and accidents i mean there's yeah. so many things that could go wrong mm. and at the same time that can go great maybe but i thought child- the kid was gonna go to harvard yeah. and now yeah, yeah now, now he's yeah. Uh, so that you know that 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 was sort of like okay that's the difference between the two um i think we kind of touched on controlling your own destiny you know creating your own projects that you're passionate about you know because there's times i found myself doing something that i like but i wasn't truly passionate about you know and i did it because you know i'm like oh i'm gonna have that experience but now i get to pick the 
the work. You know, I have a group of writers now that we work together with me and and we look at things. I'm like, you know, this this is a story I want to tell. This mm. is what I'm passionate about. And uh, and you know, I'm excited about it. You know, because when you're excited about something, you're passionate about, it, so you do do anything to yeah. do it. You know, instead of just showing up and, you know, sort of that monotone, you know, going through the motions. Well, there's no fear. If you're excited about something, there's no fear, is there? I find that the excitement is just, it crushes in the right way everything else. Whereas I think anything, if you're not sure about it, then fear creeps in and then you like, you, then you doubt yourself. Whereas excitement just fuels everything. Uh, just, I completely agree. You know, and I think the fear is, uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're still artists, right? We're still, there's an insecurity about us. And, mm. Uh, would, is it good enough, you know, what it is? But I think if you truly, I mean, Angelina Jolie said it best, just from an actor's point of view, is the deeper you dig, the more the audience will relate to it. And I think that's in any art form, whether it's writing, painting, you know, uh, acting, yeah. singing, you know, the deeper you dig, the, the more the audience, you know, because we live now in a time where a lot of people are so disconnected from one another, you know, with the phones and, and the computers and the internet and technology, that when you can touch them with something that's so personal to you, yeah. You know, and people start going like, wait, I feel the same way. Oh, yeah, I can totally relate to that. And uh, I think doing that, you know, doing work that means something to you will probably mean something to somebody else. That's lovely. That's really Thank nice you. as well. Just made that up on the spot. Really well. <laughs> That'll be on a poster <laughs> and on a T-shirt that I will sell on the website. Um, well, this is something that's interesting is that you are here in Fright Fest. You are traveling here. It's not an easy thing to do. It's not cheap to fly to festivals all across the world with your films. It's just not. A lot of filmmakers struggle with that. They get a film, they get accepted into, I don't know, uh, Sick Guys. Do you pronounce it Sikki? Sikki? Sidges. Sidges. You pronounce Sidges, it Sidges. Yeah. All right, okay. I've always pronounced that wrong. <laughs> we, got, we got in last year. We were nominated yeah. last year. I was still saying Sikki's. Right. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, it's that thing. How do you afford to go around? And is it something that you personally put into the budgets at the beginning? Thank you, sir. Or were you sort of saying, well, no, look, we, we can raise extra funds for this um well we have a contingency right every yeah. film does 10 percent usually yeah and a lot of that's mostly for accidents or unexpected things but things you know, like or, i say things like that go they disappear yeah, exactly right? and that money goes quick it sure does <laughs> so you know you keep that sort of uh also as a production company you know uh, my own LLC. You know, a lot of my you know thing that i spend you know is a tax deduction for me in america i don't know how it works in london same, same, yeah. Yeah, same yeah so i a lot of the stuff is you know i keep all the receipts and, and I show it to, uh, to, to my accountant. It's like, okay, we can deduct that because it's part of the business. You know, it's a it learn, is. you know, it's a lot of, uh, but talking about, you're talking about how lucky we are. Yeah. Last week, uh, somebody wrote, it's like, what is the worst thing you ever done for money? <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> and the first response was, it's like, uh, I worked a 40 hour a week job, uh, which in America you work 40 hours a week. And yeah. that's what, that was the response. I mean, like, you know, like that's every other is like, it's like, oh yeah, I worked a 40 hour a week, uh, uh, job for money that was his response you know because people were like, uh, like what? you know i prostituted myself yeah or, yeah, yeah or whatever yeah, exactly. yeah. like i worked there 40 hours like, like, yeah. work. Yeah. 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 five five days a week and it just made me laugh i'm like you know and and there have been times where i i don't say i felt bad but because i travel so much and you know i find myself in these amazing exotic places you know where i send pictures to my friends who are in an office job you know who have that nine to five and yeah all i get is go fuck yourself kind of thing, <laughs> you know which is makes me even laugh more but you know the, you know very very fortunate very lucky you know to to be in the situation where i get to travel and yeah and meet yeah. people like you and just meet people all over the world you know mm -hmm. and uh, you know have a lot of things in the, you know in common and you know i think it's just you know yeah 
I always said, you know, it's like, oh, you did a movie. I'm like, listen, I'm not picking rock in a mine somewhere, you know, yeah, fearing totally. that it might crumble down. Yeah, I, yeah, totally. you know, making film is not, we're not curing cancer here. But That's so true. And it's, it's this phrase that gets used yeah. a lot, but it is true. We're not curing cancer. No. But we are trying to make a difference with yeah. some of the films we do. Yes, yeah, so filmmaking itself is hard. Like I say, it's, it's, like, it's not a 40 hour a week job. Right. You, you're on it the whole time, right? Yeah. You never really stop. No. So I mean, when, you yeah. once you start producing, it's like three hours of sleep at night. Yeah. Mm, you know, yeah. Uh, the outside world completely fades off mm-hmm. and you're in this thing and that's all you do. And you know, a lot of people like, you know, think about the entertainment industry of the red carpets and the parties. I mean, that's like 0.003% of really w- what happens behind the scenes from distribution to sales agents to directors and writers and casting directors that everyone's you know, hustling for a job, you know, and what we get to see in the media is not really what happens, but that in itself, you're still part of something magical, you so know, true. and sometimes yeah. I find myself, I'm like, wow, I was part of that, or like, oh, wow, you know, or people r- reach out to me and, you know, and then and, and just have nice things to say and, mm-hmm. you know, oh, I loved you in this, or oh, you did that, I'm like, wow, that's amazing, and, you know, people that, you know, sometimes we look back at our lives and go, oh, man, I wish it was, and, you know, and there are people that look at your life and go, shit, I wish I had that life, you know. So yeah. it's just waking up every morning. And uh, I was listening to this guy. He goes, you know, one million people die daily. So the fact that you woke up today, that in itself is a blessing. And whatever mm. happens the rest of the day is it? so he's like, the first thing I do is I wake up and say, thank you, you know. Yeah. That's for nice. waking up. And then after that, it's just, you know, and so it makes you look at your life differently, you know, mm. and then whatever you choose to do. So when people was like, are you successful? Like, well, it depends how you look at success. What is success? Right. Yeah. I go, the fact yeah. that I get to do what I love, that already is success because only 2% of people get to do that. What happens after that? That's not, that's not under my control. Yeah. You know, but I get to do what I love. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Finally, um, a little bit of advice for oh, yeah. filmmakers who are trying to, f- get investors because there's a lot of our indie filmmakers out there who listen to this are first timers or they're yeah. second timers or whatever so their thing is how do you get an investor and how do you keep them and you seem to be doing very well at that so any advice would be great well now you know i think our first film was kind of i mean just being at the right place at the right time mm-hmm. uh you know there's that thing for success right is when preparation meets um opportunity, opportunity yeah. right yeah. Um, I think we got to that point where, you know, uh, opportunity came and we were prepared and, uh, and we had success with this film. So I think definitely prepare, be, that's why I say do a bunch of shorts, you know, yeah. be secure and be comfortable with what you're doing. Uh, because now you're dealing with somebody's retirement money, right? That's the way we look at it. Somebody's retirement money. Um, you know, and then prepare, prepare the, uh, as well as you can with the script and doing a pitch package, you know, uh, creating something that someone can look at because you're making a business, you know, you're presenting a business, not only of the actual business itself, but yourself, you know, you're selling yourself, you know, and, uh, and tell the truth. I mean, tell the truth. And so for investors, you know, have something that you're passionate about. Make sure that, you know, pass it around people that you can trust, you know, their feedback and, uh, you know, and always be open to criticism because it's going to happen. You know, always find, try to find a mentor, you know, that's someone who's been there, who's done it, you know, and, and, and find out what worked for them, what didn't work and just keep moving forward. But I think creating something that's really good, you know, and creating a, a package, you know, in a deck and, and putting everything together and, presenting it you know and then try to figure out uh you know who did what and how they did it and then reach out you know you'll be amazed uh, how many people say yes you know a name actor or a name director you know you'll be amazed because at the end of the day as artists actors writer whatever we all just want to work right we all just want to work and do great work 
you know, at the end of the day. So reach out, don't be afraid to send an email, especially now with Twitter. Oh my God, it's so, you know, everyone's so approachable, you know? Some might think, don't, don't get to the point where you're, you know, stocky, but, you know, because then freak people out. But if you're sincere and you say, hey, listen, you know, I got this project and when I wrote it, I was thinking of you, uh, we'd like to read it. You know, some people are like, oh, talk to my agent, but some be like, yeah, absolutely, we'd love to read it. And you never know. The only way you don't win if you don't play. That's, that's what my grandma used to say, you know? Or she would say, if you don't ask, God will not give you because he can't hear you. Uh, that's sort of figure speech. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, but, you know, if you don't ask, then how do you know? Absolutely. And, yeah. and producers and uh, actors and stuff, they're looking for that next project. Yeah. And if you hit them up, they, well, go, it's already packaged, it's already ready, and this looks really good. And actually, the story's great. Yeah. They're going to pay attention to it if you package it right. Of course. And you really think about it. Yeah, it's like a product, right? Great I mean, advice. Yeah. When you go buy, I mean, your hair is so beautiful. I don't know. Thank you. Do you just go buy stuff or are you like, oh, you know, I saw that commercial and that guy just looked God given that. I was, I was in the commercial. Josh, you have been in the I have been in the You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you you, you yeah, probably yeah. saw an amazing commercial with this product. I'm like, hey, I'm going to get that. It's true. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Seth, this has been fantastic. Amazing. Thanks, um, buddy. Yeah. Where can Thank people follow you on Twitter, the social media? Yeah. What's... Actually, uh, funny enough, uh, Twitter is at Sir Seth Michaels. Sir um, Seth Michaels. Sir Seth... Yeah, yeah. And you're in the UK yeah. to get knighted. Take it until you make it. Yeah, absolutely. Madonna, Madonna told me. <laughs> in a song. Uh, in a song. Once. Yeah. And then Seth Michaels, uh, you know, on Instagram and, and right. Facebook. And uh, you'll notice me because it's verified. So I had a few people that come and, and impersonate oh, wow. me and uh, <laughs> write very nasty things. Cause you know you've made it when yeah. they're in person. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Got somewhere. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, definitely. Uh, Perfect. Seth and St. Agatha as well. Is there anywhere yeah. where people can follow it yet? Yes. Yeah, Agatha movie you can find on Instagram and Facebook and mm-hmm. Twitter as well and great and I'll put all the links to this in the show notes so you will get them remember you can make your indie film but get out there and do it remember who your audience is and really work hard and make your indie film CJ it's been a pleasure uh, chaps a pleasure uh, I'm off to off to eat vegan now I'm off to eat vegan not a vegan I'm off to eat <laughs> well yeah that would yeah. be I'm totally Ridiculous. going against yeah. what you were... I got it all wrong. Got it totally totally wrong. Uh, Seth Michaels, thank you so much for your time. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate pleasure, it. Buddy. Really Absolute pleasure, buddy. Really Take thank care. You. So enjoy Fright Fest. Thank you. Good yeah. luck. Yeah, good appreciate luck. Appreciate it. Take care. This was a podcast from the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com.